Good evening and welcome to Geek Hard, right here on Reality Radio 101. And now, right to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. The words of the prophets are written on the subway walls and tenement halls beneath the sounds of Geekard. I'm your host, Andrew Young. Hello, Mr. Green, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Excellent. It's our totally, weekly. dude. It's our, it's our weekly thing. <laughs> yeah, it is our weekly thing, yes. Every week we do this. That is correct. Almost every week. Yeah, there was a couple of times where we didn't. That's true. Yeah. And then there was a couple of times where you didn't. Yeah. Because you're writing books or going to find barbecue or whatever. You're, you're crazy zany adventures. <laughs> yeah. Every day I wake up and I'm like, when are we going to send Green on another crazy zany adventure? Maybe yeah. soon. Maybe yeah, soon. Maybe, maybe very soon. Yeah. You know, I'm going to start my, uh, my travel log show. There you go. Green hills with green. Uh, <laughs> Not everywhere I go has green hills, though. That's the thing. That's It's an ironic name. Oh, okay. Uh, we got a great show for you tonight. Later on in the program, we'll be talking with comic artist Aletha Martinez. Been working 25 years in the business. Has done some great comic work at Marvel, DC, and more. We're going to be talking with her. We're also going to be giving our review of Mr. Green's most anticipated film of 2023, Cocaine Bear. Who you couldn't the, with a name like that? You like, got the a cocaine, great you got the bear. Go to it. It's not the story of my life. No, but it's close. <laughs> uh, and in just a few minutes, we're going to be playing... Uh, my interview with Devin Sawa talking about the new independent film, Who Are You People, which is available now on uh, VOD Digital and in select theaters as of today. But before that, we're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, you'll be hearing my interview with Devin Sawa right here on Geek Card on Reality Radio 101. Everybody, Jimmy the Short Order Cook here, asking you, what's better than listening to Geek Hard? Answer, listen to Geek Hard while wearing a Geek Hard t-shirt. And there's a place you can get them, at tpublic.com slash user slash Geek Hard. We got a bunch of great shirts there. We got Geek Hard shirts, we got a Mr. Green's Tasty Meat shirt, and we got a Back Issue Bloodbath shirt. For all your geek needs... With your geek merch, you want to go to tpublic.com slash user slash geek card. I'm not just asking you. I'm telling you. Welcome back to Geek Card right here. On Reality Radio 101. Something here no longer feels the same. And now, back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to Geek Art, Andrew Young and Mr. Green here on a Friday night. Doing what we always do. And that is talking to people about entertainment and pop culture or... Just talking about it to each other. Just talking. Just talking. Just talk, just do just talking. Yeah. Just a couple of guys talking. How that was the that was the uh, people don't know this, but that was the original title for this show was just just talking. Just talking. But then then you and I, I remember we had that conversation uh, that followed the the the, the Kumite. Uh, in which we decided that we should change the title. You say Kumite, I say we had. A couple of slices of pie at a pie shop. That's really what happened. Pie shop. There was some heated words, but there was pie. Oh, but now, Which always calms Andrew down, by the way. I like a good slice of pie. 
Definitely. <laughs> Always a good time. I think I had a lemon meringue pie that day. Yeah. That was a special treat. I don't always have a meringue pie. Usually it's an yeah. apple pie. You'd think that would make you sour, but. Oh, no, you get the mer- you get the meringue on the top that gives the sweetness, the sweet and sour together. It's the, the beauty of the lemon meringue. Totally. Yeah. We actually also talked about doing a show about lemon meringue pies, but we knew that that would have a shelf life. Yeah. It would expire quickly. Yeah, of about 14 days. Yeah, roughly. Yeah. Roughly. Then it gets then it gets sour. But anyways, uh, we're going to be playing our interview with uh, Devin Sawa in just a minute. But before we do that, just to remind you folks that if you like Geek Card and you want more Geek Card, maybe more talk about lemon meringue pies, there's a place you can go, and that is patreon.com slash geekcard. Note, there is no guarantee they'll be talking about lemon meringue pies on that. But extra things are there, including early access to podcasts and cool exclusives, like the extra hard podcast hosted by Mr. Green, where he and another person of note sit down and they... Maybe they have some pie, but what they do is they talk about an actor or a director or a movie or a TV show, and then, you know, they peel back the layers. But you know what? They slice into it like one does a pie and take each of its parts and devour them. That's Those right. Three... I, I ice cream or Cool Whip is optional, of course. There you go. There you go. It was originally going to be called Hard a la Mode, but it then became... Extra hard. Mr. Green, what's happening on this week's what's happening on this week's extra hard? Uh well we're still on that uh, that mini hiatus. Uh but you know there are other episodes that have been recorded previously that you can always go check out. And uh of course uh there's going to be in the near future, there's going to be a uh a second episode of the January men coming. Um so that so keep tuned for that too. So go check out uh, patreon.com slash geekard. There you go. Yeah, go. And you can find it all at patreon.com slash geekard. Now we're going to get into tonight's main event. Uh, last week, I got the chance to talk with actor Devin Sawa. Most people know him out there for his work as a, as a younger actor when he was uh, Casper, or he was the star of Final Destination, or Idle Hands. He was in Now and Then, Little Giants, all Nostalgic favorites, but of course, the acting didn't stop for him after a small hiatus. He came back to acting and has done a bunch of stuff, mostly in the horror genre, like Mm. the Chucky series and a couple other big horror films. He's worked with Stallone. He's worked with Travolta on that. that, Remember that 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 uh, Fred Durst directed film? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's worked. He's worked. He's run the gamut on pieces, and most recently, he worked a uh, an independent film, a very. uh, Heartfelt family drama with, uh, you know, some some dark overtones to it called Who Are You People? And I got a chance to talk to him about that movie right now. Take a listen. Hey, Devin, how's it going? Good, man. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Good, good, So, good. Who Are You People? It's coming to select theaters and video on demand on February 24th. I got to watch this film the other day, and it's a really powerful film. A lot of deep emotions here. And it deals with tough conversations and it deals yes. with things like, I know it's like a lot of films that deal with subject matter like this, they kind of show that it's like somebody does something, an unspeakable act, and that's where they leave it. Whereas this film I feel is really also showing that life goes on and the person still has to live with it and what it yes. is they're going through it. What were, when you were approaching the character of Carl, what were like the emotional building blocks you put into place when you were making this character? Well, first of all, first of all, when I got the script, it, it uh, you know, you read it and, and it's it's a beautiful story about a, a father that hasn't ever met his daughter and they start to build a relationship and it's powerful in that way. And and, um, and you start to like them together. You like their, their relationship together. And then we drop that bomb at the end. And, and now all of a sudden we're opening the door to conversations about about things that were uncomfortable about. And when I first read the script, I, I, I didn't know whether I could do it because I was so, I had my opinion on the fact that, uh, you know, that there's no coming back from this kind of uh, issue, but that was so well-written and Ben had such a great pitch to me. 
And so I had conversations with my agents and my managers and, and my wife and realized that that was what was important and what why I needed to do is because it's going to open the door to conversations. It's going to have people talking and we're going to see different people's reaction to uh, that particular incident. Yeah, no, totally. Like again, Carl is dealing with some dark stuff in his own psyche, you know, and as you mentioned, mm -hmm. you know, you felt uncomfortable when you first read it. You, you almost passed on it. A character like him, it's got to be like when you're actually doing the film, the amount of like emotional weight that you carry around during this time. I'm guessing that it was almost like a, even though you enjoy having done the work, probably while you were doing the work, it was a very sad, almost isolated experience. It was, it, it, you know, and I think that I just approached it as if I just wanted to be in the moment of every particular scene and not think so much about what I had done and where we were going with it. Each scene was played in the moment, listening to her, listening to her speak, talk, telling her story, building this relationship, thinking that I might not, not have to tell her. Maybe there's a chance I don't have to tell her. Maybe she'll never find out. Maybe we can just go on and, and she doesn't need to know. So that's kind of how I approached it. But it was at times a little bit difficult to shake off at the end of the day, like, you know, especially that end scene where, where or not the end scene, but the scene, the, the clim climactic scene where, you know, the bomb is dropped. It was tough to shake that off at the end of the day. I was, I was not the guy, the nice guy in the room. When you have fantastic actors saying the things that they were saying to me, it was like, well, I feel like a piece of shit and rightfully so. So yeah, it, it's yeah. a powerful film. Again, you, you mentioned that, of course, because of that character, you didn't really get a lot of hanging out time offset with, like, say, Emma or Alyssa, of course, for the one scene that you had with Alyssa. But it was like when you actually had the moments on scene when you were doing the work with Emma, there was those moments where it's like your character is probably thinking, maybe I'll never have to tell her because it's such a it's like a happy moment, it's experience moment. Was that kind of like almost like a relief for yourself? Like, this is a moment where I can actually enjoy the moment as opposed to the rest of the film where you're carrying such a heavy weight. Yeah, it was, uh, well, we did the scene, the, the, the scene with Elisa and, and, and that, well, we did shoot it towards the end too. So it was kind of like, okay, we've dealt with it now. We've mm -hmm. dealt with it. It's, it's done. And then, uh, and then you go home and you wait for the film to come out and, and see what it's going to be like, how people are going to react, I guess. But listen, Ben did such a great job. And that was one of the things my agents and my managers kind of told me is that it's written in a way that it's it's done properly. And um, and then to cast someone like Emma, who isn't just the run of the mill actor who's from whatever TV show and just going to play it this way. She came in and she had a character and she played it with nuances and, and grounded and just she upped the film. You know, she made it a different kind of thing. I've heard you talk about before, and you said earlier that uh, you didn't want to do the film. In fact, you passed on it, but then Ben searched you out through social media. Well, I didn't know. They had given it to the agency, and, the, and for some reason it didn't make the uh, – because I, I guess it was a smaller film. It wasn't, ah. There wasn't a big budget. It didn't make it to the top of the stack on the, on the agent's right. death. Not not my stack, but like stack in general. It wasn't yeah. like priority. They weren't making a large commission off this particular project is what of I'm course. saying. Yes. No, um, I get it. I get it. So it is a business after all. Yeah. It was a snail. It was, it was, it was in the snail uh, way of getting to me. And Ben kind of uh, pushed it along by getting a hold of me through social media and saying, hey, we've sent your agents to the script. I don't know whether you've gotten it yet. And I hadn't. And uh, so I called my agency and, and, and uh, had them send me the script. And, and uh, that began the process of, of getting. And then a few weeks later, we were on the plane. Right. Uh, but of course, in between that time, you ended up having a Zoom call with Ben, right? Yeah, we we'd spoke. And I knew right away, not from anything he even told me, but just by the type of person that he was, that he was going to handle this with care. Yeah, so he really got your trust within that. Yeah. Short Absolutely. amount of time that call. That's that's awesome. It's good when you like. It, I find that usually sometimes when a director and actor end up meeting about something, you can tell almost right away whether or not it's going to work between you. So would you say that's yeah. true? Well, if yes, absolutely. If I got on the Zoom call and Ben turned out to be like a uh, jokey, jokey, ha ha, smart ass kind of a guy, I'd be yeah. like, I don't know if this is the subject matter for you, pal. He was very, you know, focused and, and had a vision and he, he was intelligent when it came to film. And yeah, I just knew that it was a, it was a right fit. I mean, he wrote it, so you know, yeah. it was a good fit. 
Of course, so. of course. Over these past few years, you've been doing a lot of projects that have been, you know, a lot of fun. You know, like you work with Bruce Campbell, you work with Stallone, you work with Travolta, yeah. you did the mm. Chucky show, horror films and stuff like that. There's a lot of fun things to work on. Yeah. Switching up to this, was that like you got a chance to work a different kind of muscle, like swing with three bats here? Yeah. The, the, I had done this movie called Hunter Hunter that gave me a taste of, of this artsy indie kind of feel. And I wanted to do more of it. And I want to continue to do one of these every once in a while. These Stallone, Travolta kind of stuff that I that I do, and Guy Pierce, whatever. There, a lot of that is, I mean, you get a call and they're like, you know, you want to do a film with Stallone. And it's like the 12 year old me goes, hell yeah. You yeah, know, I, like, do I want to have a fight scene in a jail cell with Stallone? I mean, it's a no-brainer. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, and then being a fan of Travolta for so long and Guy Pierce and Sharon Stone and like this, there's a lot of fanboy comes out in taking some of those projects, whether the script is good or not or whatever. I don't know if I have any, many more of those left in me. I think the only one call I have, I've done Bruce, I've done Stallone. I've, the one call that would make me go do another one of those films would be Schwarzenegger. I'd jump on that. But uh, listen... It's hard to get these movies made, these um, Buari people, because there's no zombies. There's no yeah. Mel Gibson for a day. Uh, you know, there, there's no guns and explosions. It's tough to make these these films, and, but I would love to continue doing them, you know. There's a different thing you get from working on something like this, of course. Yes, you can be proud of the film when it comes out. It, whether it's a, a gigantic um, financial success or not, it's it's a good film and everybody uh, worked their ass off on it. Switching things up a little bit, you uh, recently went on vacation with your family over to the Pacific, to Japan, Indonesia. Did you think when you went to the Indonesia that you were going to end up having to break up a monkey fight in your hotel? Uh, no. I didn't. I didn't. I love it over there. Now we, we, I've taken my kids to, you know, Vietnam and, and, uh, the Philippines and we just keep going back. My kids have been to Vietnam twice, Thailand, all over. It's just, it's the most spectacular side of the world. I just love it over there. And the fact that like, you know, monkeys are breaking into our hotel room to steal stuff. And it's just my, I'm hoping it's the building blocks that make my kids, you know, there's such like, the Philippines is, I don't understand why more people don't go. It's just, it's, it's one of the greatest places in Vietnam. It's just, I don't know. I just, I get the tingles thinking about it over there. And then Japan, I had waited so long. I mean, Japan's a little bit different, but I'd waited so long because I don't know what, I, I just wanted to make sure that when I go to Japan, it was going to be special. I wanted like Japan was a little top of my list and I'm kicking myself for waiting so long because it's, it's insane over there. Like Tokyo is the most insane city in, in, the best possible way they're there is you got to have you been to tokyo i have not no unfortunately so, i haven't left canada you got to go to tokyo it's it's like you gotta it's just a wonderful place okay well definitely i'll have to check it out no it definitely from those short bits you've uh, put up on instagram it definitely seems like quite an experience totally yeah it was great oh man but they were still representing the jays out there i saw yeah, I'm, I'm, that's my team, man. I, I gotta, I'm, I'm so excited. Baseball season, like officially started after the Super Bowl. Like today is like baseball season. There you go. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. Are you, are you in Toronto? I'm in Toronto. Yeah. Are you, are you a Jays fan? Um, I have been a Jays fan on and off. Sometimes it just hurts too much, you know? Yeah. That's, that's no, they're, they're good now. I noticed, uh, the social media game, you love getting on the social media, talking to people. I saw, you know, yesterday, you know, you commented on the, the Ben Affleck Dunkin' Donuts commercial yeah. and still some guy didn't get that you were fucking, you know, like you're having fun. I was being a little sarcastic. Listen, I did love the commercial. I did. Yeah. And I do think we give Ben Affleck too much shit. I don't know why everybody wants to, to, to shit on Ben Affleck sometimes. I think he's mm. great, talented. And, and I love that commercial. I love yeah. that commercial. It was great. Yeah, but still some guys, like, have you ever heard of The Godfather and things like that? Are you surprised there's, that people still don't get your sense of humor no, on social media? There's, listen, you could say water's wet and you'll still have somebody argue about it, to, to, you know what I mean? It's just the internet. Yeah, it's just like, the, but what about steam? What about what about ice? Yeah, yeah what about dry ice? That's <laughs> that dry. Like, all right. Because you know, that was the, the, yeah, what about people? Oh man, but yeah, but hey, no, it's you're still you you you're having a lot of fun on social media, and we're all having fun with you because yeah, thank but, you, sir. Uh, now, of course, you know you've acted for a number of years, and back earlier in your career, you had a number of films that people still love it. That, that that's yeah. some of their favorite films when they grew up, or you know when they were young in their twenties. Nostalgia, yeah, nostalgia is 
any of those projects back then, is there anyone that you'd specifically like to revisit for a sequel? Um, I think now that I have kids, I would, I would be into doing a little giant sequel as a coach or something like that. That's probably the one I would like to visit. Yeah, that's probably the one. That's cool. Definitely. Yeah. Like see that now, of course, you, you've wrapped another film that's in post-production right now, Fallout. Mm -hmm. Great cast for that. I love the idea of like six people stuck in an underground bunker during a fallout and it's malfunctioning. Is there anything you can tell us about the experience on that film? It was a tough experience and because the producers decided, the producers and, and, and rightfully so, they, they realized that because we had not a lot of lighting changes and camera changes and we didn't have to move the trucks or anything like that, we could condense this to 12 days because the actors, if they come you know, off book with 15 pages of dialogue or, or something like that a day, we're, we would get no problem. And so, yeah, we did it, but it was tough work. It was, you know, it was long days, tough work, cold. And, and, uh, but I'm sure it all kind of translates into the film. Yeah. It was a very emotional. It was a lot of screaming and yelling and we, we were running out of air. And so that, that whole thing is like, you know, we're, we're on the verge of who's going to, who's going to get it next to save air. And, and uh, it's, it's, it's a wild ride. Yeah, no, totally. I'm looking forward to that. That sounds good. One last thing before I go, because this is something I wanted to know, because of course you played Stan in the Stan video. Are you shocked that Stan has become a verb now and that people are using it to say that they stand for things? And I'm like, wait a second, have you listened to that song? <laughs> like, maybe saying you stand for things is not a great thing, you know? Yeah, a lot of people that use it don't really know where it's from. It's, 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 I'm not even shitting you. It's, a lot of people don't know where it's from. They don't know where that term came from. It just kind of evolved. And, and like the, the kids that use it don't, a lot of them don't know. Am I surprised? Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that it, that it became, but you know. That's the way, I guess, a lot of words. Yeah, a lot who of knows what's going to stick in our pop culture vernacular, totally. You never know. You never know. Well, thanks so well, much. Or, or 100 years from now, people will be using Stan, and really will be, no one will know where it was from. Yeah, no one will know exactly where it's from, yeah. Thank you so much for talking to me today, man. Uh, I really look forward to people checking out Who Are You People. Very powerful film, and I think there's going to be a lot of interesting conversations with the audiences that get to see it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Have yourself a great day, man. You too, man. So that was my interview with Devin Sawa. Of course, Who Are You People is now available in select theaters across North America and on VOD and digital right now, so you can check it out. Uh, we're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, myself and Mr. Green are going to talk about a film that I know a lot of listeners have been waiting to hear us talk about, and I know that Mr. Green has been waiting to talk about, and that is Cocaine Bear right here, Geek Guard. Reality Radio 101. Remember when you used to go to the comic shop and browse through the stacks, picking up comic after comic, talking to your fellow customers and the store owner about what books you should buy? What kind of outside people daywalker nonsense are you talking about? I don't go outside. Well, thank goodness for Back Issue Bloodbath with Andrew Young and Petula Neal. When we talk about comics old and new. Mostly old. But sometimes new. Every Wednesday, new episodes drop at geekartshow.com or wherever you catch your pots. Check it out and have yourself a good. Welcome back to Geek Card right here on Reality Radio 101. And now back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. It's time we get into it. Cocaine Bear. An exciting, exciting topic. But cocaine and a bear. Well, before we do that, just want to tell you folks that if you're looking for something that you crave, if you crave Geek Hard in a way that you want people to know when you walk down the street that you are a Geek Hard again, there is a place where you can go, where you can get Geek Hard merchandise, t-shirts, bags, phone cases. And that's at 
tpublic.com slash user slash geek card. We've got a bunch of great shirts there. We have, of course, a number of geek card logo t-shirts. We have the back issue bloodbath logo t-shirt. We have the Mr. Green's tasty meat shirt. We have the old man t-shirt and we have, uh, we have the extra hard t-shirt. We have the, our family of shirts maybe more shirts are coming, but those are the shirts you can get right now. And you could, if you have like a large family, you can get a different shirt for everybody. So yeah, you the whole family walking down the street, repping geek card. I'd be all right with that. And I think you should be too. So go to tpublic.com slash user slash geek card and get a shirt today. Definitely. Now let's get into some of your emails. Uh, Kelly T writes in geeks. Cocaine bear has to be one of the best movies that I have ever seen. Love the actors. And the movie was based on a real incident incident in quotations. Loved it. A 10 plus. Now from Sean G. Hey geeks. Devin Sawa is a very interesting character. Nice interview. Thank you very much, Sean. Now for the goods. Cocaine Bear, A1. Leota is the man. Great plot. Love it. Yes. R.I.P. R.I.P. Ray Leota. Not his last film. He's still got some things that are in that are in post-production of his. So at first I thought this was his last film, but there's stuff that was shot before this that still hasn't come out yet. Well, that, that's it is technically it's his the last, last film he worked on. Yes. Yeah. What I'm saying is it's not the last film you're going to see. No, of new work. No, no. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like Canadian Bacon came out after yeah. Wagon's East, but Wagon's East was the one John Candy died on. Yeah. Yeah, it, it happens all the time with acting, yeah. you know, just just because of schedules, you know, and, and post-production. So you there never you know. Go. There you go. So let's talk about it. Cocaine Bear, directed by Elizabeth Banks, written by Jimmy Warden, inspired by True Events, produced by Brownstone Productions and Lord Miller. Of course, Lord Miller is involved. Distributed by Universal Pictures, here to read the synopsis. Of the film is our good friend, the old man. They actually made a film about this. I remember when the bear, when the bear ate the cocaine. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I remember that. Wasn't a good time. I don't, it wasn't as fun as the movie is. Let's just put it that way. That's why I, they say, that's what they say inspired kids. They don't say fully based on the story. Because the fully based on the story is like, oh, gee, that's sad. Yeah. Yeah. But we're not here to be sad. We're here to say. Inspired by the 1985 true story of a drug runner's plane crash, missing cocaine, and the black bear that ate it, the wild dark comedy finds an oddball group of cops, criminals, tourists, and teens converging in a Georgia forest where a 500-pound apex predator has ingested a staggering amount of cocaine and gone on a coke-fueled rampage for more blow and blood. Blow and blood, man. There's a lot of films that can be summed up with blow and blood, like this one. Yep. Cocaine bear. All righty. I'm gonna I'm gonna go have some coke, a cola, play some video games. See you guys later. See you, bud. There goes the old man. Yeah. Didn't know he was into Coca-Cola. I know uh, it must be a disappointment for you. It is. Guy. It is. I'm a Pepsi guy. I'm a Pepsi yeah. guy. I finally started watching Pepsi. Where's my jet? Oh, nice. But anyways, not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Cocaine Bear, Mr. Green. Yes. Let's hear about it. Let's hear what you think. Okay. So as he's already alluded to, uh, Andrew is 100% correct. This was, if not my number one, it was like in my top two most anticipated films of this year. Just solely on the title. Yeah. Because nothing sells a movie better than an amazing title. And um, I have to say, uh, keeping in theme, probably next to Snakes on a Plane, it's on point. It's a very on point yeah, in all ways. on the nose title, definitely. Yeah, and it's great. And it's so ridiculous. I love the title. So that was got me excited. Then I saw the first trailer and I was like, okay, this is... I imagine sitting in the room and the the writer is on their own coke filled you know trip into awesomeness and just like and it comes across on the page so as i'm watching this 
I realize that this film falls into a very specific subcategory of killer animal movies. Okay. Right. So we've got obviously this film, Cocaine Bear, right? But you've got things like Lake Placid, Tremors, Arachnophobia, Eight-Legged Freaks, obviously Snakes on a Plane, as I already mentioned, Black Sheep from uh, Down Under. Anaconda. Uh, Anaconda. But like the... Anaconda, not so much because like all those movies I just listed are not only are they about, you know, killer animals of a kind, uh, some more loosely based on reality than others. Uh, they're all heavy with comedy. Mm. And because killer animal movies is a long standing tradition. Like this oh, yeah. is a, this goes, you know, uh, even before Jaws and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, oh, usually I, most are in the horror variety. This one is more dark comedy variety. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also forgot one of my other classic favorites, uh, Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. Uh, it all. Well, there's, falls... that, there's so many of those. They just yeah, yeah. No, going. but the original. The original. The original. With, okay. With, with Debbie Gibson. You don't need no sequels. No, just watch that. Oh man, the 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 perspective the perspective shifting of the of the shark, uh, amazing. Anyways, my point though is. Is it's in it's in really good company, especially with something like Lake Placid, you know, uh, with the wonderful, uh, you know, also now gone uh, Betty White. Uh, mm. You get a movie that is both, you know, you could argue in reality of some kind, right? This is pseudo reality that exists in this movie. You know, it's it's a real animal, unlike say Tremors. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could see situational, uh, you know, escapades happening like we see in this in this movie. However, um, they amped up everything like the film itself is on cocaine. Like it is clear at all times that everybody in this is I and I can only imagine how every actor was approached. You know, like, hey, we're doing this movie. Uh, oh, yeah, what's it, you know, uh, what's it called? You know, it's like, you know, Elizabeth Banks meeting with them. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm directing this new movie, you know, like uh, Carrie Russell. You know, I would like you to star in it. And she's like, oh, OK, cool. You know, I, I like to work with you. Yeah. What, what, what are we doing? Uh, oh, I'm working on Cocaine Bear. Yeah, it's definitely a departure from like, again, Elizabeth Banks has a small uh, amount of films that she's been a director on. She's only directed mm-hmm. a few films, but. It's actually a very smart move to take a film like this early on in your career to show the diversity of where you'll go. Yeah. Because like doing a pitch perfect movie, which of course she was also in the pitch perfect mm-hmm. movies, it's like that's very on brand. Like yeah. you would think Elizabeth, of course she'd direct that. But a film like this, it's like that's showing that it's like, no, I'll I can direct anything. This is not exactly what I said to Candace today about it uh, when I met when she asked me about the film. I was like, Yeah, I go, it's Elizabeth Banks. She's like, Oh, it's Elizabeth Banks. I'm like, Yeah. And I and I said it's like it's a different film for her, you know. Yeah. And it was that was fun and cool about it. And as I was watching it, I was like, I didn't expect it to go quite as horrific as it does at moments, mm-hmm. you know. Like even though in the trailer they do allude to some, you know, some uh, gushing amounts of blood, um, I was still a little bit surprised by that because you know I'm thinking things like Pitch Perfect, yeah. uh, but I was pleasantly surprised at how well she handled all that, even all the action sequences, um, you know, like for the the level of action that's in this film right like obviously yeah. it's not it's not a comic book movie but um i think again to your point this is a great way to kind of open up those doors yeah you know like diversify me, the portfolio yeah give me a chance to do other things also uh you know i mentioned carrie russell you know stars in the film but uh alden Ehrenreich, who is of course han solo you know that people just hated on him which i don't agree with but in this love him again the guy's great i love this guy I think he's got, I think he's got, uh, you know, he's got something that people just didn't want to see. Yeah. We got an email in from Don S says, had to write in on this one. I was doing cocaine while watching the film. (laughs) Really cool, man. Great job on telling the story. Love the actors. Now, if only if I had some of Mr. Green's tasty meats with me, with my Coke, that would have been a great night. There you go. That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, Oh, there's another one. We got another one, but if you want to respond to. Yeah, no, no, I was just, no, I was going to do the other one because I was going to talk a little bit more about the movie. Yeah. Angela W writes geeks. I love the movie, except too many people died that I liked Ah. at least a nine for a movie rating. Banks did a fab job. And before you get into your comments, I just want to say one of the, like the key, I think to this type of film 
is that so the film the the story takes place in 1985 mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so the film is basically using the framework of a family adventure film yeah but is adding in the levels of blood and language of an 80s teen slasher film so you have those two things melded together. So you, when you're watching it, there's a feeling of nostalgia on many levels that is like, oh, this is kind of like the Goonies if a bear ate everybody, you know? Yeah, I, and I actually, I would add, now it's not the 80s. I would, this is obviously the 90s, but it, it also gave me some vibes of Fargo, like just that kind of mm-hmm. Cone Brothers farcical, you know, like crazy nature of things that they that they have a tendency to do. Yeah. Um, no, I, I was gonna. I was gonna get into was the uh, like I, just watching this film is just like how just batshit crazy it is um, of a story, and that's amazing. Like, like you know, it's already you mentioned it. And, you know, a couple of uh, the writer, the people who've written into it, you know, talked about how the fact this is based on a real story. Here's inspired, the thing: inspired, yeah, sorry, sorry, that's right. very different. You know, it's very because I'm about I'm about to tell the entire story of yeah. the original Cocaine Bear. Yeah. Coke came out of the plane. The dude died. That's all true. Coke came out of the plane. The bear ate the Coke. Nobody died. The bear died a month later. Yeah. That's it. That's the whole story. That's what the old man was alluding to before. Yeah. It's totally. it's so like it's so very plain. However, the idea of a 500 pound black bear eating a bag of Coke. And you then know, being addicted to it and needing more and willing like, to kill for it. Yeah. Yeah, like, and there are some visuals that even in the trailer that you saw ahead of time, and of course, seeing them more fleshed out in the film itself, like how the bear reacts to coke and everything like that, and and its hunt for cocaine, um, is just it's great. I love to, and I love to very weirdly because not cocaine is not quite like this, but like how some of its trip almost replicated uh, like being on mushrooms or uh, or acid. It was just kind of like this weird thing that it was doing it wasn't all like the hyped up rage that usually goes along with some people's reactions to cocaine yeah it but, seemed like the bear had some euphoria at moments yeah and uh i think that's more inclined uh you know uh with uh uh sparing use of cocaine mm. compared to like tony montana levels of uh of blow just you know when you hoover up about you know 10 15 kilos um yeah Anyways, this this the bear is awesome. I thought the CG actually the CGI for the bear, I would say, ninety eight percent of the time is like is solid. There's a couple moments here and there, just uh, just the way that uh, you know some of the shadow, uh, shadowing took place, but other than that, I thought it looked amazing. Yeah. I thought the cast does a great job. Ray Liotta was. I I looked at this and I was like, this is it's sad, even sadder with Ray because it's like I could see like this seemed to be like a potential turning point for him to come back, you know, doing, doing more mainstream things again. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say like the casting on this was pretty spot on in the sense that a lot of the actors are portraying parts that they've portrayed similar roles to mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. Like Carrie Russell has played, even though she hasn't played this type of character in this movie, she's played this type of character before. Yeah. Shea Jackson Jr. Same thing. Ray Liotta. But of course, I think the perfect casting out of everybody from like actors you know, right? Got to be Isaiah Whitlock Jr. Like that oh. is just that's that's his type of that's his zone. That is like his wheelhouse. That's the type of role he plays. So yeah, and the, and, the, and as you were mentioning, the different types of genres that you know that this film uh, uh, you know encapsulates. There is that extra layer of that kind of eighties you know cop film going on yeah. in here too. And there's like a lot of different genres mixed into this story, but they somehow don't fall apart. Yeah. And that is astounding to me because usually one or two, like, sorry, not one, but like two, maybe three different kind of tropes and genres can get mixed together and it all work out. But when you start layering up to four and sometimes five, you know, at a time in a movie, it has a tendency to fall apart. Yeah, totally. And, and this film does not. No, definitely not. My favorite performance, though, in the entire movie uh-huh. is by someone I think this kid's going places. Christian Convery as oh. Henry. Yeah. Because he encapsulates everything you want from an 80s kid, yep. like a film in an eight, a kid in an 80s film, but also with a little bit of tongue in cheekness, too, which that's the key to this film. 
It's the right amount of tongue in cheek with the right amount of taking things seriously. Oh, uh, for sure. Like, uh, like the, the whole thing, same thing with uh, Christopher Hibjiv uh, from uh, uh, game of Thrones, right? A lot of people would know him from game of Thrones. I, again, I look at this as another opportunity to, you know, widen his ability to come into more mainstream Hollywood uh, productions. And I, I welcome that because his Olaf, a ton of fun, just, it's like this little side character. I love it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it was just like, listen, at the end of the, it's clear. Anybody listening to me talk about this film, that my expectations going into it were, were, were interestingly high. Yeah. They and, were extremely much higher than other films of this nature for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I was like super amped and it paid off. I am extremely ecstatic with this film. Now, am I sitting here saying that it's going to make my top five at the end of the year? It probably won't, probably. but I wouldn't be surprised if it did. There just you saying. Go. There you I'm go. Just so saying. You're saying people should see it in theaters, wait for streaming or rental, or skip it all together. If you're not in the theater watching this movie, you are doing yourself a goddamn disservice. This movie needs to be seen. And see it in the theater. Because we need more of it. And if Elizabeth Banks wants to make Cocaine Bear 2, I would be all for it. I know they won't, obviously. But, you know, like, just yes. All the yes. This is already okay. I'm amped and I'm hyped about this. I would say I would say this is not necessarily a film you have to run out to see in theaters because I think it will work just as well at home. But if you're looking for something, if you're looking at the movies going, ah, I just want to have a fun time, turn my brain off. This is that type of film. You don't have to go in and be like, ooh, I got to follow a plot. It's like, no, you're just going to be following a bear. I'll say Very this. high bear. And I will say this. If you're going to the theater and you find out that Ant-Man in Wasp and Quantumanium is, is sold out and you can't get to see it, you're not missing out because you can go see Cocaine Bear. And there that is go. a big step up. There you go. Yes, I will. I will agree with you in that sense that it is a better movie. Than big Ant-Man. step up. Yeah. Better than Ant-Man and the Lost Quantum Mania, totally. We're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, we will be talking with comic book artist Aletha Martinez. It's all happening right here on Geek Card on Reality Radio 101. Want to advertise on Geekard and be heard by thousands of listeners? It's easy. It's simple. It's fun. Email us at geekardshow at gmail.com for information on our advertising packages today. Welcome back to Geekard right here on Reality Radio 101. And now back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to Geekard, Andrew Young and Mr. Green here. And it's time now for our last interview of the evening. Uh, this artist has been a comic artist for almost 20, I think the past 25 years now in the pro area. She's worked on some of your favorite characters of all time. She's worked for Marvel, DC, Archie comics. She's worked across the board. She is like, she is more artist than human. In my opinion, she is a nonstop worker. Welcome to the program. Aletha Martinez. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, thank you for coming on the show and uh, like really thank you, especially because I know you have a very busy schedule. Your work schedule is like crazy. You're working all the time and you're somebody that somebody who has like usually every month, there's something out there. There's an issue out there that has at least some Aletha Martinez art in it. So is there any point where you actually do take time for yourself or is this just like you are committed to pumping out the art? I'm a hundred percent artist. As you said, there's, I have no life. I only have art. <laughs> you 
is all I do. And I'm not kidding. This is all I do, except I watch Picard. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, delicious. So nice. good. So good. <laughs> and even then I felt guilty, the weight of guilt for not drawing while I was watching. But, you know, I had yeah. to an hour. Come on. I, I was going to say, like, you, you have to like that's that's an hour worth spending. But you still got to feel a little guilty about that. Almost enough to run to confession, I tell you. Almost <laughs> enough. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, uh, especially uh, this past month, of course, uh, your work has popped up in Marvel Voices, Wakanda Forever, number one, and DC Power, a celebration. And it's kind of, kind of fitting because work in Black Panther has been something that has been throughout your career. And work on the character Nubia has been something in the past recent years that you've been doing a lot of work on. Uh, with the Marvel, of course, is Wakanda Forever, uh, with uh, Karama Home doing the uh, doing the story. Um, what was it like for you to put that piece together? Was there anything specific that uh, you felt like? Because again, you've seen the evolution of Black Panther over the past twenty years and gotten involved in some parts of that. Was it, was it nice to sit down just with the character and tell this kind of like very personal type story? It was in one way. I, I finally got back to drawing like men that had been drawing like women for like forever, which yeah. is so funny. Like I started my career and I was just drawing solo male heroes. Yeah. And almost the question is, I don't know. She, she won't make the women sexy. So let's leave her with the guys. And then all <laughs> of a sudden I just started drawing girls, like just women. And just that feels like being in prison, a long prison sentence. So fine. It's like, oh, I'm getting to draw men. Thank God. <laughs> oh, oh, it feels so good. Doing that. And then Lazarus Planet, getting to do Deadeye. That was like, oh, my goodness. I forgot. This is what I love. I love this so much. Well, there you go. There you go. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I like that you say that because when you – I was reading a little bit of, uh, you know, from um, – from the uh, the Marvel one shot where they have some excerpts from uh, you know of an interview that you had done in the past and and it was like it was very clear from reading it like your love of comics like from such a young age I- I'm just wondering like do you still read comics with the same like excitement that you did like I remember growing up when I first read a comic and it was like the most exciting awesome thing that I've ever read. And I, sometimes I wonder, do I still have that excitement? I'm just wondering for yourself, you work in the industry. Do you still have that excitement every day when you get a chance to read other, other comics? Of course. Are you kidding? I just read Superman number one and I nearly whipped. I love Jamal work so much. I'm like, it's so colorful and bright. Are they going to do some fighting or is this all talking? Okay. There's a little fighting. Take off. (laughs) Because they've been on the couch for years. I mean, the last time I draw Wolverine, he was run, roaming through somewhere looking for death to kill him. And I'm like, wait, no, stop this. Stop this. I need my heroes powerful. I need my villains fierce. And I need just the fighting to be endless. So I love it. Every time I get to read a comic, I'm like, oh, thank God. I even go revisit some of the old ones so that I could relive the love. Nice. Mm. That's awesome that you still have that that feeling about them, even rereading them years later. Like that's it, sometimes I, I just, so many times I hear people talk about it. They're like, Oh, you know, it's uh, it doesn't translate as well anymore. Or it feels a little dated, but what? You, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I get that. I do every so often I come across something like I was just reading. Oh my goodness. What was this? This is such a hard name. It's the same author that did, wrote starship troopers, which I love to death. I said, let me check out some of his older stuff. Oh, I say, was he insane? What was he drinking when he wrote this? Why? Why couldn't someone stop this man? But it was still fun. It was a train wreck. I loved it. Yeah. uh, Robert Heinlein is uh, is something. Mm -hmm. He sure is something. (laughs) To be fair, I I found, you know, I, I think we find that there are a lot of things when we look at them through as we open our minds and we get older and we learn new things and uh, other other realities that you you start to realize that some of the people that you thought were awesome when you were younger not so much or to your point Alita, is maybe they were drunk <laughs> something something had to have happened i guess <laughs> yeah, i think when you get powerful and absolute powerful absolute power corrupts absolutely 
maybe we're seeing a little bit of that. We're just got like, you know what? I've written everything. Let me write some nonsense and see if they'll still absorb it. Oh, look, they are. Oh, <laughs> like they're laughing at us or something. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, no, the, well, thankfully, thankfully in the comics world, even if writers do write some crazy nonsense, the art is there to at least keep us on track, telling the story. Definitely. Uh, now, um, of course, you know, I mentioned your history with Black Panther. Of course, when you started out, you were drawing backgrounds for the uh, the Marvel Knights book. And then in recent years, about five years ago or so, you did the uh, the uh, Black Panther World of Wakanda series. Mm-hmm. Now, with that, of course, you kind of got to draw the artwork for the, uh, the origin of the Midnight Angels, uh, of course, written by Roxane Gay. With those, like, those characters... I know there was something you said before. You said, you've even said in this interview that you like drawing the fighting, you like the action, everything like that. Whereas that was a really, like that origin story was a very heartfelt, sensual, loving story. Was that like something that you were like, oh, okay, I'm going to, let's see if we can do lovey-dovey here. A a little bit, yeah. I'm like, I got it. It's like, oh, do you, normally they ask me, would you like to draw this thing? I said, oh, sure, why not? Then I get the script sometime later. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, well, I like a challenge and I dive in and hopefully, hopefully it all works out. But usually I, I don't know what I'm in for. And sometimes I'm listening to writers. They're like, oh, I like to write all the happy everyday stuff. You know, the women just going out and having fun. And, I'm like, and I want you to draw it. I'm like, <laughs> really? Okay, if you say so, but you know, I, oh, so it's always a kind of fun stretch for me, but sometimes I'm wondering, do they realize, again, you know, if you ask, have they, mm, okay, fine. Well, Got thankfully, to- you did get to draw some fighting in that book as well, which is good. <laughs> so. A little. <laughs> it was so little. While Namor's drowning the city, they're on vacation in New York. I'm like, what? <laughs> Oh, well, <laughs> well, I guess, you know, that's part of, uh, you know, an artist's career is that, you know, sometimes you don't always get to, you know, uh, do the things that you always want to do, <coughs> you know, you get try different things, but, uh, you know, you, you do have a, you know, like looking at, uh, your, your career, you do have a, a strong pull towards strong characters. Like, you know, like they, they, and it comes through in your art. Like they always, there's like a nobility around, like looking at uh, T'Challa, right? There's a nobility around him. Like even just looking at the image, like you don't need to listen to his words. He's just, it's there, comes across. Are those the characters that you would just prefer to always be working on as somebody who's always like, like, obviously you like fighting. We get that. But do you, <laughs> do, do you, do you also like, uh, you know, working on characters that are, are strong of, you know, uh, of moral stuff as well? Of course, I wish to give me Captain America, but I what I like is to get a character that might not have been utilized a lot and get to build a world around them and build up up to that point where you look at them and you see their strength and their power like Nubia. You know, it's, it's she I didn't know of this character. They're like, oh, OK. So trying to figure her out and find her way until I could finally reach that stage where you see her and she's powerful and you she is just what she is. I like that world building. So to give me a character that's rather obscure and allow me to build the world around them and add stuff to it, that's what I really, really like. And then, of course, put them in scenes where they're not just talking and trying on clothes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, I think about it. I would love to see, again, these days, it's been years since there's been any Marvel DC-type crossovers, but I would love to see you draw the Amazons versus the Dora Milaje in a fight. Now that would be, there'd be a lot of body parts flying around for that one. Definitely. A lot of, a lot of dead bodies after that. Oh, uh, yes. Are you trying to get me banned from comics? Why would you do this to me? Knowing full well, I'll litter the ground with Amazons and Doris. And you're like, why did he do this? Oh, she killed them all. Oh, it's brutal. Oh, why would you do that? Okay. Okay. I, I promise I'll, I'll try to be better. I won't suggest anything like that again. Uh, we got an email in from Evan H. And this one takes a little bit of explaining. So I'll read the email and then I'll give the explanation afterwards. Should Geeks, I break myself? Well, 
No, don't worry. You don't have to worry about it. It's more of me having to brace myself and explain the history of Geek Hard to you after this. Okay. okay. So, Geeks, great guest. Aletha is one of the most talented artists in the world, bar none. I would love for her to produce a comic about the old man meeting Jimmy the Short Order Cook, and they plot to take over the world with bad meat and terrible stories that the old man whispers in people's ears as he holds them hostage. Okay. Oh, that's very inside baseball. Yeah, it's very inside baseball. We have a couple of friends on this show that come on regularly. We have the old man and we have Jimmy the Short Order Cook. Hey, did somebody somebody mention my name? Yeah, yeah, old man. We're we're talking about you. Wait, it's like poker room. There's what I oh I just seen the email now. They they want to make a comic with me and Jimmy? I'm like, yeah, yeah. But that would be great. Alita, I think you just get my good side. That's all I ask. That's all I ask. <laughs> yeah, so yes, they they they're two people the old man, Jimmy the Shorter Cook, they help us out with movie reviews every now and then. Um and uh yeah, the meat thing has to do with there's a lot here. You know what? I'll write an email later to explain it. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Yes, Evan. There's a lot of a lot of back issue continuity that's yeah. uh, going on here. That's Yes, the uh, the Geek Card Cinematic Universe right yeah. there, but uh Evan, thank you for your email. And uh, yes, if we could get anybody to draw something like that, we definitely want Aletha. Totally. Um, but, but uh, you know, I think the first comic I ever saw your work in was in the Iron Man Sons of Yinsen story written by Joe Casada. And I, I've heard you say that Casada was kind of the person that helped you get into mainstream comics and was a mentor. Um, what was it like, like, when you first met him, like what was the, the, how did that professional relationship get set up? Well, I didn't know anything about comics and I just moved to New York city. This isn't something I grew up with because it wasn't allowed in our household. We're an immigrant family. I'm first generation in this country. So you're not here to do this. So coming, I had to teach myself, I had to figure it out. And I finally got a portfolio together and I went to a convention and I was showing people my portfolio. And you walk up, you see an artist say, oh, you don't draw like a girl. I'm like, oh, my God, is that where we are? Yeah, this is where we are. So let's go to the next person. And then my friend's like, go over there, show those two. And they look like bouncers. And I didn't want to go near them. It was it was Joe Casada and Jimmy Palmiotti. And I'm like, I, they look me. I can't. I think they're bouncers. No, they're artists. They trust me. And I'm like, these people are steering me wrong. But anyway, I went up and showed him my portfolio. And he's like, oh. He's like, hmm. And he called me the next day and says, I'm going to give you a trial by fire. And there you go. You're drawing Osriel Ash backgrounds just like that. I'm like, oh, okay. And it's just been a weird roller coaster ride ever since. My God. Yeah. That's if it was only that easy for all of us to get into comics. Like <laughs> Oh, I, I cut out all the blood, sweat, the tears, the yeah. painful part, the parts that are like, oh, my God, what? Why are you even still trying this thing? Yeah. And also, yeah. also, Green, you did hear the words trial by fire, right? It wasn't like, here's an easy assignment. It was like, no, here's some work. You got to work. Totally. No, yes, I, I totally right. get that. I get that. But I'm just saying, like, from everything we've heard from Aletha tonight, I'm like, that's like a walk in the park for her. You know, she's like, you know, that's just going to be like, she's right. Well, because it. she is that damn good. I get yeah. that. But, you know, I'm a workhorse. That's what I do. I just keep doing this thing. But if you look at it, it's longevity because I'm constantly doing it. You can't stop swimming. You're like a shark. The moment you stop swimming, you're drowned. You're only as good as your next book, not the last one. So I can't hold on. I hear people, they're holding on to, oh, they've done this and they're so happy and they're so proud. And I don't feel that pride in work like that. I'm just constantly looking what's next, what's coming, what's over that horizon, what's bigger. And it all feels so much bigger than myself. So I don't really get to slow down and talk about past work and things like that. I almost envy people who do. I'm like, really? So you, did you like that? Did you enjoy it? Because I can't even think of it in that light. I can just think that forward, go forward, go forward. Yeah, well, always thinking about the next project. Totally. Yeah, like it just it, as you mentioned earlier, being a first generation American, like it, it sounds like that's you know because a lot of we hear this with a lot of immigrant stories where like that first generation, there's a lot of pressure that to go out and succeed. It's it sounds like that's really taken hold in, in your comic work as well. What it did with like my family with me making this choice to decide to do something they've never even heard of before in their life. 
was to be cut off from them for a very long time, to literally be told you're on your own and we don't even want to discuss this with you. And it took many years for them to come around and finally be like, oh, wait, if I type your name and I could see you. So it's like, it's love that's bought in a way, or I had to prove myself before I could return. So it's, it's difficult. And yes, when you don't follow the script of why they brought you to this country in the first place, you have to fight for it. And then to enter this industry and all of that battling, you realize it's constant. This war is constant. You're never done. So I never get to rest and see that enjoyment of the whole process. It's more like, what can I learn? What can I do better? How can I keep going? Yeah, well, that's... Well, bravo to you. And, and, to be great and... is to go on. Yeah, totally. My yeah. God. Well, I will say as a fan and as for the many fans out there, uh, we, we, we love the, the, all the sacrifices you've made to make this artwork. Cause it is, you've brought a lot of excitement and happiness to our lives within each 22 pages that we open up that you've drawn. Thank you. Oh my God. I'm too shy. I can't take this. You're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like uh, to compliment. I do. Yeah. Although I, 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 Leith, I, I see the, uh, I, I think I see the secret to your success that because you can't get crawl into that bed. <laughs> That's why you're working all the time, right? Yes, this is this is Thea's bed. I take her to conventions now because I can't leave her at home. She's too cute. The cats might kill and eat her. That can't work for me. No. Oh. Very cute. Oh. Well, that's that's good. That's good. Okay. Well, Aletha, it's been an honor to talk with you tonight, yeah. and we've we've loved the work you've been doing, and we look forward to the the next uh, next projects you have coming out, and uh, maybe someday we'll get to see Amazon's and Dormelage duke it out. That's but, that's. What I, I can't. I don't know if I could promise you that, but I do promise you that might be in like a month or two. It's something that I've never drawn before in Nubia, and it's just. Every so often you draw something that you're truly happy with and you're truly like, wow. Yeah. I want to hear, I want to hear the wow when they see that. I can't wait. Can't wait. That's awesome. That's awesome. Nice. Looking forward to what you and Stephanie got coming down the pipe. That's great. All right. Well, you have yourself a great night. Same to you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for coming on. Thanks, Alethea. Have a good Bye. night. Bye. Bye. So that was Aletha Martinez. You of course can check out uh, Marvel voices. Wakanda Forever and DC Power, a celebration at your local comic shop right now and be on the lookout for the next Nubia project. And uh, hey, you know, as I said, she's usually got one or two books on the shelf every month for the past 25 years. That's pretty impressive. It is. You don't. Yeah, you just when you start to put the math together, you're like, wow. It's it's yeah. just sometimes that sneaks up on you. You're just like, oh yeah, no, I you know I've seen the work. I you know he's always around. Yeah, yeah, no. In yeah. this case, it's legit. Like, yeah, wow, totally, definitely. Well, we've come to the end of the show, Mr. Green. Yes. Where can the good folks find us? Uh, as always, if you like what we do here, you can always find more content over at patreon.com slash geekard. For everybody who participates in that right now, we thank you guys ever so much. You guys are uh, helping to make this a reality. Uh, for everybody else who's not involved yet, come on and join us. You know, our, our, our cult is not that cultish, but we do like more. Yes, more. Bring us more. More of you. Disciples. Yeah. Yes, that's it. Our, our disciples. Uh, you can always find additional content through YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Yes, even Pinterest. Search Geekard Show on any of those platforms and you'll find us there. Of course, check out our website, geekardshow.com, for more news, reviews, and the podcast version of this very show, available on Mondays after 2 p.m. But of course, if you're super forgetful like I am and you didn't listen live like you did tonight, the best way to hear us is to do what, Andrew? is to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice, be it the iTunes, the Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, wherever you catch your pods. And please leave a five-star rating and review when you're there because it helps with the analytics and the more people that know, the further we go. Absolutely. And, of course, if you just want to continue the conversation or chat with us about anything, like Cocaine Bear, because I'll be glad to do it for sure, you can email us at geekheartshow at gmail.com. There you go. Yes, you can even email us at gmail.com with further ideas of a Jimmy and the Short or a Cook. Jimmy the Shorter cooking the old man doing comic adventures. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank Aletha Martinez and Devin Sawa for coming on the program. For Devin Sawa, for you, Who Are You People, for Cocaine Bear, for Aletha Martinez, for 
Marvel's Voices, Wakanda Forever, and DC Power, a celebration for Mr. Green and for Yuri in the booth. This is Andrew Young saying, if you're going to geek out, well, you might as well geek hard on Reality Radio 101. Thank you for listening to Geek Hard with your host, Andrew Young. And Mr. Green, right here on Reality Radio 101.